Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. Our guest for Song of the Soul today is on his way to living the dream, largely because he successfully planted the seeds of the dream in his young son's hearts, and they've taken over making the dream reality. The result is some really go-getter music makers known as the Jansen Boys. Though they've lived in Japan for years along the way, home for them is Winnipeg, Manitoba in Canada, so I count myself lucky to have discovered John who, with his two oldest sons, is this multi-talented, multi-harmony, roots and singer-songwriter band, all of them Jansons. I had so much to talk to John about that we went way over time, so there are some really rich, wonderful, and deep bonus excerpts, and a full, uncut, 75-minute version at northernspiritradio.org, meaning almost 20 minutes of rich extras. Really, you don't want to miss them. Big thanks to Andrew Jansen for production help on today's show. Right now, we're headed to Winnipeg, Manitoba, via the magic of Zoom, to visit with John Jansen. Hey, so happy to have you here today, John. Good to be here. When you got the invite from me, was this with apprehension or eagerness that you received my invitation? I'd say eagerness. So the shape of the whole thing for us this year is uh, I'm turning into an old guy, almost 50 years old, you know, and our band is me and my two older sons and one son is 22 and the other one's 19. The 19 year old is the one who's driving all this. And I used to just sort of sing songs and not have a very serious plan about how to roll it all out. But he started taking marketing and then he started getting into internet. How do we actually build an audience? And so then I have never gotten so much contact with, especially America. He started running ads in the States and because we'd love to tour in the States and we love a lot of the things you guys do culturally down there. So he's the one who's started driving traffic. So there's been a few people who've been calling for interviews and it hasn't been a thing we have done that much up until this year, but this year it's sort of become a more common thing, but I'd love to see it. And you say you're two older boys. Are there others? There's one more. There's the mysterious, we always call him the mysterious fourth Jansen boy, but his older brother, Mick, is the strict one, and he says he doesn't play drums well enough yet. Eventually, he'll, he'll be in there, too. He's studying his drums. He likes to play the saxophone, but Mick won't let him play yet, but he'll get in, in the mix eventually. And how old is he? He's 13, about to turn 14. I listened online to something you said about how you forced your kids or manipulated your kids, <laughs> enticed them into becoming. Tell that story. Well, essentially, I knew force wouldn't work because kids these days, there's no way. Like, I also knew that anyone I knew growing up, the ones who had been forced to play their instruments tended to hate doing music as adults and sort of doubled down on not doing it. So I had sort of planned, we catch more flies with honey kind of thing. And so. My plan was to put instruments everywhere in the house. So many instruments that they had to move them to move through the house. They had to step over them or move them out of the way. And so we had a lot of instrument options when the boys were growing up. And it kind of worked. Because <laughs> one, <laughs> I mean, it started with Simon. He sang a lot. And then Nick played drums a lot. And then we actually were living in Japan at the time. And 
a friend gave Mick a mandolin. And he, the thing about a mandolin is you can start by playing two finger chords. And he thought these two finger chords were pretty cool. And so he started learning that. Then Simon got into bass. And so, yeah, I, I can't say I did a lot of pushing, but I certainly did do a lot of encouraging. And I was doing music at the time with another band. So their heroes was, we had this massively tattooed bass player who was the coolest guy around from Syracuse, New York, but we were all living in Japan. So it was a bunch of expats, well, and Japanese people. Our band was a mixture of both. And so the boys would always see people practicing and playing and doing recording. So they grew up with it sort of all around them. And it was definitely my hope that they would take it up eventually, but it was no guarantee. How long were you in Japan? I was there for a total of 12 years in two takes. I went for two years and then we came back to have a kid, Simon, and then we went back again and stayed for 10 years. It just was the more Japanese you learned, the less it made sense to come home to Winnipeg, Manitoba, because it's not that useful to be speaking Japanese in Winnipeg, <laughs> Manitoba. Maybe Vancouver or Toronto, but it didn't make much sense in Winnipeg. So we never, we kept, just kept not coming back. But then my mom got sick and it was time to come home. Well, let's start off with your music. I got a whole lot to talk to you about, but I want to make sure we get in all the songs that you're picking out for today's Song of Soul. What do you want to start with? How about we start with Long Way Home? Long Way Home is the song. It's a pretty wonderful song. It's going to be on your album that you're going to release right now tentatively. It's called Two, like in T-W-O. What's the meaning? What's the source of this song? Long Way Home was... You know, when you hear another song and you think, I'd like to write a song like that. <laughs> and in this case, now, I, I don't think it sounds anything like it or the themes are completely different. But the template was Paul Simon's Slip Sliding Away. You know that one? Sure. There's a man from my hometown. He wore his love for his woman like a thorny ground. No, never heard yeah, of that. Yeah, he, he went a long <laughs> way. Oh, no. What did he, he kissed his son as he lay sleeping and he turned around and headed home again. It actually brings me to tears. Just thinking. What I loved about that song is that he takes three verses and each verse is just a scene, just a tiny little scene that put together makes you wonder at something of a larger story. That's what I was actually trying to do here. I took each verse... And then the bridge tries to ask the bigger question. People need to hear that question. So let's listen to the Jansen boys. This song has been released as a single. It's going to be on the upcoming album by the Jansen boys. That album is going to be called Two. So keep looking for it. And remember, the jansenboys.com is the site. Here's Long Way Home. There was a busy man and an outstretched hand Saying, hey man, have a heart But he will not be a part of just, you know Giving a man a fish for a day But the girl right behind him said Hey man, never mind him I don't have very much But what if you and me get some lunch? Well, he hated them both as he walked away He had a long way Mistress 
his eyes <laughs> They're nothing like the sun But they're so perfect They're so beautiful to me But she shrank from his grill Bit her lower lip And she cried Why do you mock me? Why do you mock me? She had a long way John Jansen here today with us for Song of the Soul. That was Long Way Home. And again, Jansen Brothers is John Jansen, who's here with us, and his sons, Mick and Simon. But I have to ask you, I this may be a lack of education because, you know, you're Canadian up there in Manitoba, and I'm down here in Wisconsin. So it doesn't seem like it should be a stretch, but that verse where your guy's talking about his mistress's eyes, First of all, when I heard mistress, I'm saying, wait, is that? And then she gets her nose out of joint about something, thinks he's putting her down, and I missed something there. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I hope people are doing the same kind of wonderings. That's kind of what I was hoping for and aiming at. So one thing I should mention is that for most of my career, I've been an English teacher. I went to university to be a teacher, and then I took a master's degree in literature. So that stuff is going to bleed over into your writing. So my mistress's eyes are nothing like the sun. So that's one of Shakespeare's more famous sonnets. Ah. Uh, It was a Shakespearean sonnet, and it was written by Shakespeare sort of in response to the Petrarchan love poetry. I know this because I used to teach it, right? The prof that I was taken by 
would talk about how this sonnet was written sort of a, uh, in response to this flowery Petrarchan love poetry that was, you know, my love is an angel and she's all perfection. And Shakespeare's response was, well, that's not really what real love is like. His response was that, no, my mistress's eyes are nothing like the sun and her breath smells and her <laughs> cheeks aren't that rosy. And he's real honest. But then the final couplet, final two lines of the poem are, She's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I, I love her beyond anything because of these things. Like, it's the real woman that makes it good. And so in this little vignette, it's the poetic romantic who's saying how cool this sonnet is. And it's the woman saying, no, I just want the love poetry. Just give me the flowery <laughs> extras. And, you know, by pointing out all the reality, you're just being mean. Essentially, what I was trying to get at is they're just completely missing each other. The core values just don't match, or at least maybe it's the life experiences leading to the values they're embracing in that moment. They just don't match. It's because they got a long way to go kind of thing. Let us have another taste treat of the Jansen boys. So we're kind of known for two main streams, sort of the singer-songwritery, even a little bit more upbeat, rocky stuff. And then online, what's really caught on is the three-part harmony-oriented stuff. And actually, just as I look at the list, it was just an accident, but I didn't send you very much of that. I apologize for that. But uh, we were always heavily influenced by harmony heavy bands. Which Road Takes Me Home is kind of one of the rockers, but it has lots of the three-part harmony in it. So Which Road Takes Me Home, and again, what's the background on this song? This was actually one of the older songs. The band we had in Japan, we were the ones who started singing this song. Now it evolved a little bit. It didn't have three-part harmonies. The boys added that. And I think they added the chorus part that wasn't there. But the chorus part, sitting here at the crossroads pine, and that's the place where you're going to find me, right here where you left me on my own to find the road that takes me home. And so that crossroad is, that's American influence, I guess, because that's uh, Robert Johnson. The idea <laughs> was to create a, an image of standing at that fork in the road, trying to figure out which way am I going, what's the important stuff, and what's the right stuff, what's the wrong stuff. And uh, not coming to a lot of final answers, just a whole bunch of questions when I was writing this one. I was in my 20s, so you shouldn't have answers in your 20s, probably. Well, John Jansen is asking the right questions, and this question <laughs> is, which road takes me home?
one, I'm the guy you should talk to. I'm like my own little dream museum. I got ideas and they're gonna change everything. Just wait till you see them. I'll be doing them tomorrow. You'll Listening to John Jansen and his sons, Mick and Simon, as they sing that song, play that song, Which Road Takes Me Home. I'm tempted to say it's from the album Backroads. I've seen it represented that way online, but I've also seen Roads, and I also know that there's alternative things coming up. So just go right ahead, confuse me. <laughs> so that's our fault that you're confused because this is the one song that's on every one of the ones you just mentioned. We put it on the four song EP that like in 2015, when the boys were little, we made an EP called Roads and it had four songs. And one of them was Which Road Takes Me Home, a different version, but this song. Then when Mick started pushing things last fall, his point was, hey, the 2015 EP, we sound like a bunch of, he calls them puberts. (laughs) (laughs) Puberty, okay. Yeah, whatever we were, you know, all zits on the chin, etc. My dad used to, when we were stuck in the throes of puberty, he would call us, he'd call me particularly, pubert. So I continued on the tradition. So Mick always says, we sound like that terrible stage. We've got to re-record this this album. So that's what we did this year. We re-recorded all the songs on roads and we called it back roads. But his idea was, because he's, he's the Mr. Marketing Mind, right? So we, we release everything on Spotify and Apple Music and all the streaming sites. But you can't make any revenue hardly. They pay really, really badly. And so Mick wanted to see if we could sell CDs. So he said, okay, Back Roads, this four-song remake of Roads, will never be put online. It's going to stay offline. And we'll just sell the CD so that people can sort of have something to get that's not just out there on all the streaming sites. But then my protest was, wait a second, but the new version of Which Road Takes Me Home, the one people just heard, it's my favorite one. I really like it. I was proud of the production we did. I said, there's no way we're not putting that on the streaming networks. And so our compromise was that Which Road, it's the only song that came from the EPs that will also be included on the full album. And the whole point of the album, too, I mean, I don't think we talked about it yet, but I crashed and burned a marriage in the middle of all this 
So the idea of an album called Two is a lot about documenting the very tumultuous and rough waters that we went through as a family. And this song was very central in that story. So I said, you can't leave Witch Road off of the album too. So that's why it ends up on every stinking recording. Maybe we'll just make a tradition. We'll include it on every recording right to the day we're done. Kind of like uh, Bill Staines, I think, seemed to record the song, All God's Critters Got a Place in the Choir, that song. <laughs> he seems to record it on everything because it's one of his most sing, popular we ones. Sing that one. When the boys were young, especially at a country fair, that would bring the crowd up all out of their seats. We would run together, All God's Creatures, and thank God I'm a country boy. And then Mick would have a mandolin solo in there, and that would be a very big crowd favorite. But Mick doesn't like to do it. It's too country, I guess. Simon, <laughs> we have we have a split that way. Simon and me really, really would happily lean into more Americana, more country, more mandolins, more slide pedal steels. And Mick always wants to go, no, 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 no. We're going towards Ed Sheeran and singer-songwriter and the young hipster kind of music. So we haven't resolved that exactly. We kind of meet in the middle. Well, I think it's valiant of you to let them teach you, you know, lead you on your way. <laughs> Again, folks, we're speaking to John Jansen today. He is the father who's, I guess, in some ways, the leader or maybe a follower of the Jansen Boys. Their website is thejansenboys.com. And because you don't have to remember how to spell Jansen with a Z, you just come via northernspiritradio.org. Find them, post comments on this interview when you come. You can find all the stations across the U.S. Unfortunately, by the way, John, I don't yet have a station in Canada that's carrying my program, which is ridiculous. I've been doing this for 18 years. I've interviewed so many wonderful musicians all across the U.S., Canada, and other countries as well. So you find a station up there, and they can carry my program for free. I might have some options for you, actually. I know, I know a few people who would fit that bill. That would be wonderful. But on my site, you can find the 35 to 45 stations that carry our programs nationwide. Just come to NorthernSpiritRadio.org. You can also support us with a donation. That's how we do our income for this is full-time work. But I've made the conscious choice not to look for income from corporations or from government so that we can be responsive to the listeners. We don't have to consider dual loyalties. So please support us, support your local community radio stations. They're wonderful and support all the wonderful musicians across the U.S. and Canada who we include in our programs. So I want to dive right back into some more of the music of the Jansen Boys. Where are we going now, John? How about we go to Incomplete next? It feels like I have to do a pun about that, but you know, you already made reference to dad jokes, and I do get into <laughs> them. When I looked this song up online, that's the first time I saw the reference to Fat Blue Man back in 2009. Album still a long way off, I think, that you put out with Fat Blue Man. Who's Fat Blue Man, and is this a derogatory term that Japanese <laughs> use for American, or what is this? I don't know. <laughs> no, fat, so Fat Blue Man, where did that come from? Originally, you know what it was? It was my sister. She's an artist and she paints and she, uh, she did a painting of this big fat blue. It was a, a blue, sort of a cartoon or an iconic character. Not a genie. That's what I think. You know, the fat blue genie, I think. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. This was almost more of a silhouette of, of sorts. And then it was green in the middle. And it was in a moment where um, I just actually really liked that picture. I hung it on my wall for years. And, so then when we were in Japan, we just floated it. You know, you're with a bunch of musicians and you're trying to think of a band name because you've got a gig coming up. And I floated Fat Blue Man as a name. 
and they liked it. And so Fat Blue Man became, it had different iterations depending on what year. As we said earlier, I lived in Japan for a long time. So you get to be a part of a expat community. Of course, you have lots of Japanese friends and Japanese coworkers, but you know, Canadians become pretty good friends with Americans and Aussies and UK people. Although Canadians always badmouth Americans, the truth is because we got probably low self-esteem and a bunch of jealousy because it's, you know, <laughs> the famous thing is in Canada, we always talk about uh, the mouse sleeping with the elephant. And if the elephant rolls over, the mouse is in trouble kind of thing, because it always fascinated me that when we were outside the country, our best friends always ended up being Americans. And it was probably a lot to do with shared culture and shared sports was a big one. We're watching the same teams ultimately. And so then... Eventually, Fat Blue Man was the formation of an American friend from Syracuse, New York, and another one from Hackensack, New Jersey, a Japanese drummer from Osaka. And they're like the straight talk, and they're like the Texans of Japan, or in Canada, be the Albertans, I guess. And then a cute little violin player. She was a classical violin player, but she was pretty, she got pretty good at pop and rock music. And she was very, very well received. Very, the most popular band member was always Hiroko. And so we had a little band called Fat Blue Man. We won a few song contests and then we got a few gigs in Tokyo. We won the YouTube 2008 Song of the Year at one point when YouTube was, I didn't even know what it was. It was like just emerging, just becoming a thing. So that provided a bit of lift. I think we wrote a silly song called Christmas in Japan that got a whole bunch of traction. So that was kind of the early days. And a lot of the songs that the Jansen boys ended up singing was the early formations of the songs that Fat Blue Man sang. But Fat Blue Man is long in the rearview mirror. Well, that's a lot of history, folks, about the origins of the song Incomplete, played here by the Jansen boys. Got my information secondhand Life was better in the promised land Now my shoe leather's gone And the scenery's all wrong Now I'm finding what it really means True love is harsh compared to loving dreams Of a broken cannon law And the cinder's first hallelujah There's a lot this key, but the map is incomplete. I don't know how to go, but if you set your eyes on me, you set me free. Truth is slippery, but it seems to me you find it mainly in uncertainty when the volume's turned down. You're still singing The promise isn't necessarily Just exactly what they said it'd be Doesn't have to be true If it gets you where you're going to There's a lot this key But the map is incomplete I don't know how to go
information second hand Life was better in the promised land Now my shoe leather's gone And the scenery's all wrong Now I'm finding what it really means True love is harsh compared to loving dreams Of a broken cannon law And the sinner's first got Hallelujah, there's a lot this key, but the map is incomplete. I don't know how to go, but if you set your eyes on me, set me free. Hey, That's Incomplete by the Jansen Boys, their website, thejansenboys.com, links on nordenspiritradio.org. Incomplete struck me several ways. I mentioned before we got on the air, John, that I grew up Catholic. And when I heard in the song the phrase broken canon law, I don't know if everybody has canon law or if that's only a Catholic thing. I don't really know. But I had some thought like, is there some Catholic influence going on there? But there's other things that made me think that there's some religious spiritual outlook that's included in this song that a lot of people maybe even just slip past them. I don't know. What do you measure in this song that actually has something to do with this religious spiritual path you've been on? Well, maybe it's just right there in the title. I mean, like, yeah, I grew up with a Mennonite dad going to a sort of a conservative Christian church, and that was the upbringing. And of course, when you're close and on the inside of it, you often can see the, the shortcomings. And to be very honest, me and my dad didn't have a real smooth relationship. And at least part of the reason I was in Japan was probably because 10,000 miles was about the right distance for the two of us to coexist peacefully with each other. So, of course, you know, all those formative pressures lead to uh, what shows up in a song. And so I was asking lots of questions. I, I still, um, I think truth is found by asking yourself the hardest questions, right? And so that was when you're far away from home and all the things that defined you and provided you with identity are, are far, far away. You can kind of become what you want and create the identity that you wish. There's no one telling you who you are. You can kind of do it yourself. And so I was asking all those questions. At the beginning of my life, the paths were pretty clear and obvious when it came to the church's worldview of how things are. But there were lots of questions as to whether that's the path that is the correct one, or if incomplete is basically saying, I don't think I have all the answers here. And I think there might be more. I do think there's a lock for this key. You know, like there's a, there's something that to be unlocked. There's something that's true. But my maps are incomplete. My maps are letting me down. That was fundamentally what was going on in that song. But let's go on to some more of the songs from the Jansen Boys. And again, Jansen Boys are John Jansen, who's with us here. And then Mick and Simon are his two sons, uh, young men, who are really driving John to better excellence than ever. That's true. So what song should we share next? Well, let's go with the marriage theme or the marriage breakdown theme. Let's do Hope. 
<laughs> a lot of people a lot of people's <laughs> amazing oh uh, yeah let's go with marriage breakdown theme let's talk about hope okay yeah hope it, hope it turns out all right it didn't turn out all right but <laughs> depending on how you slice it so are you saying that this one was written in the course of sorting out which way you're going yeah it was definitely written in the midst of it all it definitely was like i it was about hoping things can i mean and it wasn't simply about marriage. I know. I mean, you're trying to always write on a few levels. Ideally, I'm super happy if there's three interpretations for a lyric that all work and all are meaningful. That's to me, that's the, the holy grail. If we've got uh, delimited understandings of of the lyric that you're writing, so hope wasn't simply about that, but it was definitely to some degree about a relationship that's not working out. And there's still hope that it will, but. I mean, things have turned out really, really all right. But man, there was some painful journey points on the way to the good things are happening now. But I suppose that's not foreign to anyone. Everyone's got some level of rain in their lives, right? That they're they're hoping to see cl- uh, sunshiny days afterwards. You know, when you're in the midst of a drought, those rainy days are much sought after. And so things turning out all right very much depends on which point along the path you're standing in. That's right. And I think you'll get that from the song performed by the Jansen Boys. Hope it turns out all right. You left without a goodbye Not a good reason why Just an hour before I can't understand why you run I thought we were having fun I just hope it turns out all right Can't you remember the way that it was in the start? Never believed you and me could be this far apart. Boy, I always asked you for more. How do you keep the score? Am I getting this right? never been very clear I can't see from here It's the dark makes the star shine I just hope it turns out alright Can't you remember the way that it was in the start Never believed you be this far apart Truth, I could leave here today Think I'd go right away But I guess that it's just not I'm lost Cause I can't hear your tune Back to me soon. I'll be staying up late. 
remember So I just hope it turns out alright Can't you remember the way that it was in the start Never believed you and me would be this far apart. I just hope it turns out alright. I hope it turns out alright. I hope it turns out alright. I hope it turns out. I just hope it turns out like you promised. point of view folks that song hope it turns out all right may have been a harbinger of things going right or wrong it doesn't matter i i think actually if we travel in hope and i don't mean just optimism but hope i think that it puts us on the best path we can go on and that may not be the happy rainbow at the end you know pot of gold at the end of the rainbow type path but it's a better path than if we were going through in blackness and distress and negativity do you tend to be a positive hopeful person oh that's a hard question to answer i i think you have to ask somebody else if i am (laughs) i think i am I i don't know if i can evaluate very well i do find myself i mean definitely strive in that direction. I often think very similar to what you just said. I mean, everyone's life has the fact of things going wrong and the fact of things going right. And now the percentages are always going to be differing person to person. But at the end of the day, you can focus on one or the other and whichever one you focus on, you're going to go farther along that line. But there's always that balance, right? Because you don't want to be unreal. You won't be so positive that you're ignoring the things that are wrong and need fixing. But you can also spend so much time lamenting and focused on the things that are heavy that you just bring more heavy and it gets heavier. Got to be some light beyond those clouds. So let's go on to some more of the music. The Jansen Boys, where are we going? Blackwater. It's a song about the earthquake in 2011 in Japan where we were living. Oh, okay. Because, you know, for me, Blackwater, Doobie Brothers, yeah. This one sounds quite a bit different, but actually, I didn't know about that song until I wrote this one. But then when once you post this one and you Google it, yeah, you find out, oh, yeah, there's another song named Blackwater. And you've released this one as a single, I understand. You did it as a fundraiser for QuakeBook. Tell us about that, because I think people in the U.S. all know about the immense consequences that happened over in Japan because of the quake. You were on the site, though. It was 2011. I was living in the city of Nagoya, which is about six or eight hours. The center of the quake was up around Sendai, just south of Sendai, I think. I was on a treadmill in a gym at 2.46 in the afternoon when this quake hit, and it was uh, turned out to be a mass of, I think, 25,000 people died. 
most of the north got shut down and we had to i was working with the relief agency that went to the philippines and to cambodia and ethiopia places like that and we actually refocused all our activities to japan just because the need for relief and aid was up in the north so we were driving trucks up there and it was a strange, you know, I've had family die and the kind of thing that everybody walks through in their life. But there was something, I don't know that you can't ever explain it, but when 25,000 people die and the whole country shuts down and I drove some trucks up there and saw the empty shelves and the wide open roads and that you couldn't drive over unless they had fixed it up. And I remember seeing a ship in the middle of the street because it had washed over and was stuck now in a street in Sendai. It was a unforgettable life experience that called for something. And then these guys in Tokyo, these writers put together this thing called QuakeBook to raise money for the survivors in Northern Japan. And I knew one of them and they said, would you write a song that would publicize this book and go along with it? So that's what uh, Blackwater became. The song is Blackwater by the Jansen Boys. Precious, precious in my 
Blackwater originates from Japan back in 2011. In the U.S., we generally talk about Fukushima, the reactors there, which was part of that whole destruction and all the challenges to all the people, the deaths, the suffering that happened in Japan. And our guest, John Jansen, was there at the time in Japan. And you said, John, that you were working with the relief agency, or what were you doing over in Japan? A whole bunch of things, but I started off <laughs> the second stint in Japan. I went back because we were going to do music stuff because I had a friend who was working in radio, had a good job in radio. So I lived that sort of audition life, you know, where you never know what your job is next week. And we were doing narration and radio commercials and a little bit of acting and things like that. But it was such an insane, crazy, unstable life. Like these guys who run away to LA and try to make it, it was kind of the Japan version of that. So when kids started to come along, had to get something more stable. So eventually I worked in a university as a lecturer and English did literature and things like this. But the earthquake I was working, that was more on a volunteer basis. Apart from my job, I was working for a relief agency that did clean water, like built wells in various places in Southeast Asia and Africa as well. I would go to the Philippines, the southern island of the Philippines, and work with them there. And I think I went to Cambodia once or twice too. So that was your, maybe your leading of your heart or your soul that was doing that kind of work in addition to the things that were bringing home the bacon? Yeah. I mean, there was actually, I was the creative director, so it was actually tied in with the music because for fundraising and stuff at their galas, I think we would put together bands or write songs, or I did a lot of the internet stuff that would get their um, message out as well. So there was lots of overlap. A friend of mine was the director of that organization, and so then it was kind of a natural fit. Well, let's get one more song in from the Jansen Boys. How do we top off this selection of songs that you brought today, John? The last one is a song called Where Are You? And I think we sang it for quite a while, but now my son Simon is the lead vocal on, on this recording. I should have sent you one where Mick is the lead vocal, because Mick, where, of course, as I get old, I'm getting pushed to the edge of the stage I used to be the, the organizer and the, the founder, but I know no one wants to look at the old Billy Goat anymore. So more and more, they're taking center stage. So Simon's the lead on this one. Well, this is quite a journey that you're taking us on. I hope people listen deeply to this song, let it get in and pose the questions, the sense of uncertainty and the sense of possibilities, positive and negative. I mean, all of that's all laden here in where are you? 
again, this was released on Backroads, and it's going to be a, a version of it as it was on Backroads, and maybe it's going to be released on your new... Yeah, the old version is online. That's the one where I'm the lead vocal. But actually, this version is the one that is only available on CD form. So you have to go old school and come to our website and come by the CD. We'll be happy to sell. We're actually doing, honestly, right now we're selling CDs, which when Mick said we're going to sell CDs, I said, well, that's never going to work. Who's going to buy a CD in 2023? And it's worked like crazy. We're selling so many CDs, which is super helpful in trying to make a music career go because then we can, you know, we don't have to rely on finding a label and giving up all creative control and financial control to them. And interestingly enough, the Canadian sales isn't anywhere close to the American sales. <laughs> we're doing way better in the States than we are in Canada. So we're really, really loving Americans right now. We're feeling the love. And I hope people feel it <laughs> as we go through this. Again, the website is thejansenboys.com. Jansen, J-A-N-Z-E-N. And that's important because my second-in-command for Northern Spirit Radio his last name is Jansen, J-A-N-S-S-E-N, two S's. Well, in Canadians, we don't know what you're talking about when you say Z, you realize, right? Zed, I know. <laughs> Having lived in Africa for two years, I'm, I speak metric, I speak all these things. <laughs> <laughs> we used to get calls from uh, telemarketers in the States, and they would say, what's your name? And I would, they'd, they'd spell it, please, and I'd say J-A-N-Z-E-N, and they'd say, JN what? <laughs> what? I don't understand. So I'd have to translate, but that we can handle. Well, all that to say, John Jansen, it's been so great to have you here. The music is wonderful. I really love the energy that the three of you put together as the Jansen boys and the long and winding road that you've been on. Manitoba, Japan, and now this universe of song that you bring to us. It's so impressive. Thanks so much for joining me today for Song of the Soul. Thanks so much for giving us the opportunity. We appreciate this immensely. Again, the song is Where Are You? It's going to be released very shortly, but the only way to get this one is, again, <laughs> to order a CD. Go to thejansenboys.com and get rich. Here is Where Are You? We'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. Where are you?
Theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helpsmeet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.